my family, and uh, he lives in San Antonio and has been involved in the, the ministry for 40, 45 years now. First, about 33 years in the pastoral ministry, churches in Oklahoma and uh, then here in Texas, and now with an organization, Missionaries International, called Impact Water, doing a lot of missionary work uh, in the country of Honduras. So Mark's going to join us this morning to give us the word of life, and uh, we're thankful to have him here. Thank Welcome you, Welcome Mark Smith, please. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here and share with you today. Let's see if I can get this right here. Paul and I go back a long ways. In uh, 19, let me skip. In about 1984, I came from Tulsa, finished a pastorate there, and we moved to San Antonio, and we were going to start a new church. Um, I was a former home builder. I'd built homes in Tulsa for about a year and a half, and had an opportunity to build my own home in San Antonio, and so uh, looked to the Yellow Pages, and then I called a foundation company, and, and I knew that the foundation was the most important part of the house. So I wanted a good foundation man. And so uh, I called this Maverick Engineering. I don't know how I remember that. That was 1984, and, and I said, who's the best concrete foundation man you got? And the guy says, Paul Jenkins. So I give me his number. Now, I didn't know Paul Jenkins from anybody. And uh, I knew God was at work in me being in San Antonio. And that I knew that he was going to direct the building of my house. Little did I realize what God was doing. <laughs> so this guy pulls up in this pickup truck, and he's got his Bible on his dashboard, and he walks out, and we shake hands, and we start talking. And that was the beginning of an incredible journey together. Later on, we joined me with Impact, and we had opportunity to go all over the world. Darkest Africa, drilling a well there, projects in Guatemala, projects in Ecuador, sharing not only mission projects together, but sharing our lives and our families Paul said, I had the opportunity to marry all of his kids. We wove our lives together for now 35 years. It's been a great blessing. So it's a privilege to come and, and share with you this morning. About 13 years ago, I made a change after 40 years as a pastor. Um, I changed and... Uh, because of Paul, we started doing these water projects all over the world. And so God called me when I was 60 years old to leave everything. I'm 73 now. Put on a new pair of shoes and uh, start doing these water projects full time. So we have been in Honduras exclusively now. We've d completed water projects in 40 different villages there to over 10,000 people. But even greater than this, where my heart lies is in planting the gospel and watching these forgotten people come alive in Christ. I want to read you John 3.16 in a modern version. I just want you to listen to it. 
God's care for humanity was so great that he sent his unique son among us so that those who count on him may not live a futile and failing existence, but have the undying life of God himself in them. Let me share that one more time. God's care for humanity was so great that he sent his unique son among us that those who count on him may not live a futile and failing existence, but might, but might have the undying life of God in them. Something happened to me in March of 1967 that changed my life. I was in a Christian, I was in a college and I was living the other side of life and long story, I had a Christian roommate, he loved me and God changed my heart. God profoundly changed my heart in 1967. That was what, 54 years ago. When he changed my life, he began to unveil to me over a period of time what life in the kingdom of God is really about. We know that Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the message of the kingdom of God. He is the one who has come and heralded and expounded this kingdom so that we might understand what this kingdom of God really is all about. And in some mysterious way, Jesus himself is the kingdom. Now, that's what we know. That's what we've learned. But that's not what the world tells us. Right now, the world that you and I are living in is upside down. It's spinning absolutely out of control, and I don't think there would be anybody in here who would disagree with me, <laughs> no matter which side of the fence you're on. Everything that we have held dear, everything that we've built this country on and the foundations of our life is now in question, and it's totally upside down. If Jesus were to come today, what would he do? Well, he'd do the same thing that he did back in his day because in his day, his world was upside down. The Roman Empire, if you can even imagine that, was worse than the country in which we're living in. Pedophiles were the heroes. They were the, one, they were the emperors, and it filtered all the way through the culture. It was totally decadent, totally immoral. Christians were lighted up on crosses. They were crucified. It was a day in which everything that everybody held dear was in turmoil. It was shaken. <laughs> and what did Jesus do? He didn't come in and run for president. He, he didn't come in and offer a political solution to a moral problem. Our world is upside down today. 24 years ago, I think it is, yeah. July the 16th, 1999, so that's what, 22 years ago. 
John F. Kennedy Jr. was taking an airplane, and he was flying from Nantucket, from New York City to Nantucket. Uh, he was a pilot. He had got his, his uh, first rating, his VFR rating, and then he got his instrument rating. And, and he wasn't very proficient in what he was doing. Many of you know the story. He got what we call spatial disorientation. I, I, I'm a pilot, haven't flown in a number of years. In fact, I think the last time I flew was with Paul. Probably scared him to death. But, but you get spa you're, you're trained for this phenomenon called spatial disorientation. It means you don't know whether you're upside down, right side up, or what. You lose all frame of reference. And so that's what happened to JFK. He took his airplane. It was a twin-engine airplane. He had his wife and his wife's sister on board, I think. Uh, he got into the clouds, and he got turned upside down. When you're flying an airplane, one of the things you do is they put a hood over you when you're training. The instructor's in the, in the, in the right side, and they put you in what he calls an unusual attitude. So he'll take the plane, and you don't know the attitude. He may have it up like this. He may have it straight down. It, it can have, be in any attitude that he wants to put it in. And you put this hood on, and, and you cannot have a frame of reference of a horizon. So there's a little turn and bank indicator on there. And what you're taught is, when you get in trouble, and you don't know where you are, you stop and you orient yourself with this turn and bank. And the first thing you do is level the wings. You don't pull it up. You don't push it down. You level the wings. If John F. Kennedy would have done it that day, he'd still be alive today. You see what happens? He was flying upside down. He probably didn't learn. He'd look at the turn and bank indicator. He was spatially disoriented. He thought that the stars were above him and those were really below him. And he pulled it up when he, he, he thought he was falling, so he pulled it up, and when he did, he just slammed into the ground. I mean, he slanted into the ocean, and he killed all of them instantly. He was disoriented. So how do we orient our lives <laughs> in this crazy upside-down world that's got everybody in fear, in panic, realizing that our country could be no longer in however many years. That's the world that Jesus came into. And in that world, he invited people into a pilgrimage. A pilgrimage into the heart and the life of God. An invitation to enter into the kingdom of God. Now listen to this. Jesus in the Gospels, talked about the kingdom of God 147 times. It was the main teaching that he did with his 12. The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, and over and over again for 147 times, he says, I've got something that will reorient your life that will change your perspective and give you hope and a reality that you will be living in the kingdom of God in the midst of a very decadent and dark culture. 
There's a book that I read many years ago by a Reformed, by a Reformed Seminary professor, and he said that in this book, it was a discipleship book, he said, the great failing of our day is that we do not teach people to have a kingdom of God mindset. That's what Jesus did for his disciples. That's what he did for three and a half years, 147 times. That's what his focus was. I want you to introduce you to this kingdom of God. You see, in our day, many believers do what I call, get caught up in the whole idea of sin management. <laughs> we just try to keep our head above water, above the sinfulness of a decadent world. We don't want to fall into the same morality. We don't want to fall into the same sin. So we, we work on our sin all day long, and it never dawns on us what it's like to live in the kingdom of God now. One of the books that probably marked my, book, my, my world and how I think and what I do, I read about six weeks after I was a believer. It's called The Master Plan of Evangelism. And he, he makes this statement, preaching to the masses, although necessary, will never suffice in the building of men. Jesus Christ chose a few men, and he invested his life in a few men. Now, hear that. He didn't come to reach the masses. Yes, he preached to the masses, but it was very infrequently. He took 12 men and he poured his life into those 12 men, and that's the only plan he had. And those 12 men changed the world. It's why you're sitting here today. Very few people understand that, nor even have that as their guide. In Honduras, we go into these remote villages. The, the, the culture is more messed up than ours ever thought about. <laughs> uh, the immorality, the, the decadence of the culture, they don't know. They're illiterate for the most part. And you have to go in and you begin to build a relationship. And you find the guys in which God's working. And out of 35 to 40 guys in a village, you may find three. And you begin to pour your life into those guys. 147 times Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and a kingdom of God mindset. That's what we try to build in those guys' lives. Now you say, what is the kingdom of God? What's a kingdom? Real simple. It's where the king reigns, right? The kingdom is where a king reigns and his authority and his purposes and his plans are the thing that you think about if you're one of his subjects, right? <clears throat> it, it says in the scripture in Luke chapter 17, the kingdom of God is within you. So God wants to establish his reign and his rule over every part of your life. Every social structure, every relationship, your business, your money, every single thing in your domain is his. It's not about us anymore. 
It's about Him. God wants to not only redeem us, God not only wants to reconcile us with Himself, but God wants to restore in our lives all the purposes that He intended for us back in the garden. And when you come to Christ, when you enter this kingdom, something miraculous begins to happen. Let me read you a famous quote that I live by. There's a guy by the name of Abraham Kuyper. He had uh, over 200 churches back in the late 1800s in the Netherlands. And he rose to become the prime minister of the Netherlands from 1901 to 1905. So here's this pastor who becomes the prime minister of the Netherlands, and this is his quote. There is not one square inch in the domain of all of human life over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not say, it's mine. Now hear that again. There is not one square inch over the domain of human life over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not say, it's mine not yours. Remember, we're talking about a kingdom. We're talking about a king. We're talking about that kingdom reigning in your life. When you have a kingdom of God mindset, it transforms the way you think. It transforms the way you act. It transforms everything about you because you're not reigning anymore. It's not about you. It's not about your kingdom. It's not about what you want. It's all about what the Lord Jesus and His will wants for your life. And you come to the place in your life where you surrender it to Him and you say, God, I don't know what's best for my life. You do. That's a hard place to get to. Every domain, every social structure, every relationship, my business, my money, my marriage, my kids, my grandkids, it's all His. Now, let me give you a clearer picture of that. Stay with me. 17, I think it's early 1700s, the British Empire began. Now, what do you know about the British Empire? Well, I didn't know much about it until about the 80s. Uh, never was a really good student at school, so I had to learn the hard way sometimes. So... <clears throat> The British Empire started in the 16, late 1600s with Queen Elizabeth, and she started taking more and more territory and occupying more and more countries. And so this whole idea of the British Empire started until 200 years later, 54 colonies and protectorates. Listen to this. In Europe, in Africa, in Asia, in the Caribbean, in South America, in Central America were under the influence of the reign of the King of England. You say, well, how big is that? Listen to this. 412 million people were under the reign of the King of England. 23% of the world's population were under the reign of one guy. 24% of the territory of the world were under the domain of the King of England. It was an extension of the political and social 
and cultural reign and rule of the British Empire. I said, well, what does that have to do? Well, let me tell you how I learned it. <laughs> so in 1989, I was discipling a, 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 a guy in Uganda. And he was over here. He was going to school. I picked him up. We became best friends. I poured into his life. He was a garbage uh, kid. He, he lived out of the garbage pails. He'd come to Christ. His father said he was going to kill him. He had to run away. It's a long story. Miraculously comes to Christ. Miraculously comes to the United States. And I began to pour into his life. And he asked me, he said, would you go over to my country and would you teach pastors? So I had 150 pastors that I went over to teach. And, and uh, I didn't know much about Uganda. <laughs> I'd never been to Africa. I was looking forward to it. And so here's a country that's made up of nine different tribes. Nine different languages, all kinds of tension among those tribes. And I land, and, and these, these people are black. I, I'm not talking shades of black. I'm talking about black. <laughs> and I get off the plane, and they start speaking to me in British. Oh, how are you today? Uh, Pastor Mark, oh, my name is. And I'm like, what? And they're driving on the wrong side of the road. And, and they got the Queen of England's picture where we're staying. And the whole government is transformed just like the, the government of England. And I'm like, how did all that happen? Think about that, folks. How did this tiny country of England take their whole social structure, their whole legal, their whole school structure, and everything that they were, and how did they in 200 years transform 54 different nations and protectorates until 412 million people are bowing before the king? That's a picture, folks, of what Jesus wants to do in our lives. He wants to not only redeem us and reconcile us, he wants us to restore us under his authority. You see, every single person here this morning has a domain. They have a dominion. It's a place where you rule. What do you mean? Well, it's real simple. You have ideas, and you have philosophical thoughts, and you have ways of thinking about things, and, and you have a way of, of envisioning life, and you want to share that with those people around you. Now, if you're, not, if you're of the world, you're trying to rule and reign in your domain, and usually that's hedonism or materialism or sensuality or, or something that holds you captive, but you feel like you're right, and you want to convince other people. That's probably what Facebook's all about, right? <laughs> the only problem is nobody cares <laughs> what you think in our culture today. You see, the, the Bible says in, in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19 that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And that before we're Christians, we're a part of a kingdom of darkness. And that darkness is built on lies. 
And our whole country has been sucked in to lies now. And they believe a lie. And they're living out a lie. And we're suffering the results and the consequences of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of darkness. But the Bible says that God has translated us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. You see, nobody can see the kingdom. I, I was typical. I was 19 years old. I, I had been religious. I had gone to church. Uh, I had won my God and country war. I was a part of the kingdom of darkness because I didn't know him. I didn't know Jesus. I was living out a very pagan, hedonistic life. But the Bible says in, in, first John, I mean in, in John chapter 3, no man can see the kingdom. Listen to this. No man can see the kingdom unless he's born from above. Unless he's born of God. It also says that he translates us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. Something miraculous happened to me. Hopefully it happened to you. You came to know Jesus and you got a new heart. He took out the old heart and he put a new heart in. He put a new mind in you and you begin to think on things above, not on earthly things. Your whole life, my whole life began to be transformed from this kingdom of darkness that I was in, held in captivity in the bondage of sin. All of a sudden, God gave me, began to give me the mind of Christ. I began to think like Jesus. Now, I've been at this for 54 years, and, and the Bible says that the kingdom is like a seed, and you put that seed in your life, and you begin to, you begin to expose that seed to water and, the, and, and, and nourishment of the Word and, and the church, and, and you begin to get into in, uh, community with each other, and something miraculous begins to happen. This little seed in the garden that's just the smallest of all seeds grows into this great tree. And at 54 years old, I mean, for 54 years now, and at 73 years old, that's all I think about. <laughs> I want Jesus to reign in my life. I want him to raise, reign in my life in my marriage of 52-plus years, and my, my kids and my grandkids. I, I, I want people that I, I love to understand this kingdom that is eternal and will never, never fade away. Think about this, folks. Your life in Christ does not, eternal life does not begin when you die. Eternal life begins when you're translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom where you rule and you give up that rule and you say to the king, I don't want to rule my life anymore because I see what happens. Now, that's a lifelong process, folks. And the curriculum that I've had to go through in 54 years to give up everything, I held on to things for years. And God says, okay, you want to run things? How's that working for you? 
How's that working for you, folks? How's that working in your marriage and with your kids and in your business when you run it? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If I sow to the flesh from the flesh, I'm going to reap corruption. If I sow to the Spirit, I'll reap life and peace. But see, here's the key. The key is understanding the kingdom of God. He says in Matthew chapter 11, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. What do you mean the kingdom is forcefully advancing? What's that like when God forcefully puts his his kingdom in your life and he gives you new eyes to see that you never saw before? A kingdom that you didn't know existed and you have new ears and you begin to hear and you have a new heart for people and and you want to give your life away as a servant and you you want to share this incredible news that this kingdom is right now. Folks, listen to me. I'm a part of the kingdom of, of the dear son of God and I don't care what's happening in America. I don't mean I don't want to be involved in the process or anything like that, but folks, my world is not dependent upon what the president of the United States does or what the laws of this country happens. The kingdom of God will fit into every country and every culture. Now, it may cost you your life. But this kingdom will never be shaken. This kingdom is eternal in the heavens and this kingdom is forever when you have a kingdom mindset you begin to walk alongside these neighbors who are blind and deaf and can't hear spiritually you begin to you begin to sit down with them let me tell you about one guy we go into Honduras in 2008 we've been in 40 different villages now Uh, when we come in it's like they just big parade for you, and they make you feel like gods. <laughs> but the furthest thing from their mind is Jesus. Let me tell you about our guy who heads up our program now. His name is Rody. Um, when we met Rody, Rody couldn't go into his parents' home because he stole from his parents. None of his brothers and sisters would live in, would let him into their home because he was a thief. He had two women pregnant at the same time, and the baby was, the childs were were born a month apart. Decadent, arrogant, hanging around with a wrong crowd, living in the kingdom of darkness, you bet. (laughs) He was worthless. One of our guys just befriends him, just comes alongside him, just loves him. Shares all week with him. Starts sharing his story with him. Sharing his life with him. Rody sees there's a difference in these guys and me. Rody comes to a conference and one of my guys that helps me, he's a couple years older than me, been a missionary for many years. He, he walks up to Rody and he starts hitting him in the chest like this. Rody says, what are you doing? So what are you doing? He said, I just want to ask you one question. 
said, yeah. I said, who's got the steering wheel of your life? I said, well, I do. He says, how's that working for you? <laughs> Pregnant, two children, all kinds of women. Parents don't want anything to do with him. He said, Rody, you need to turn over your still new life to Jesus. He'll transform your life. Ten years ago, Rody called up Doug one day and said, Doug, I've surrendered. People come to Rody now, men, who come to him all the time, and they say to him, I can't believe the relationship that you have with your wife. I can't believe how you love each other. I can't believe your children. A total stranger came up to him a month ago, walked up to him. They, they kind of knew each other, basically, in this little village. And the guy says, you know, I do business here all the time. He goes, yeah. He said, I watch you. He said, what do you mean? He said, look, I just bought a new motorcycle, and I got the money to do it, and I'm not happy. And I see you. You've got peace in your life. There's something different about you, man. What do you have that I don't have? Folks, that's what the kingdom's about. <laughs> it's about living in darkness, and all of a sudden you've seen a great light, and you've surrendered to the king, and you've said, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to run my life, Lord. I want all that you have promised me. The first verse I ever learned, call unto me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that you have never known before. I didn't understood what I prayed that prayer, what God was going to do. Folks, you can live an ordinary life or you can live an extraordinary life. Let me close by sharing you what the kingdom really is. In Luke chapter 7, Paul read it. Jesus talks about this advancing kingdom. He's having a conversation with a Pharisee. Here's a religious guy. <laughs> World's full of religious people. And in the middle of their conversation, this prostitute walks in. She crashes the party. She's got this flask of oil. She falls at Jesus' feet, and she pours this expensive flask of oil on his feet. She starts weeping in her tears, and she starts taking her hair and wiping his feet with her hair. And the religious guy says, to in his mind, what's Jesus thinking? If only he knew what kind of woman this is, there'd be no way he would allow this to happen. And Jesus simply reads his mind. He says, Simon, let me ask you a question. He said, yeah. If, you, if, you, if somebody owed you $50,000, and another guy owed you $5, and you forgave their debt, which one would love you the more? Well, he said, the one that I forgave $50,000 for. And this is what Jesus says. Then he turned toward the woman, and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. She didn't give me any, you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman, for the first time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. 
You didn't put oil on my head, but you, she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, though her sins are many, they've been forgiven. And as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say in this, who is this that even forgives sin? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What happened to that woman? A prostitute. What happened to her? Well, she was put in the annals of Scripture. And for 2,000 years, people have read her story. One day in heaven, I want to go up to the Lord and I want to say, how many people were converted by the story of that prostitute in your encounter with Simon? Guess what, folks? Your story is just as important as that woman's. When we come to Christ, when we enter this kingdom, and he begins to rule and reign over all of our lives, and we begin to see Jesus begin to demonstrate his life in us. Folks, the impact of your story will go on for generations. There's only one last thing. Just really simple. How do I get into the kingdom? You give up. You don't struggle. You say, Lord, I want you to reign over my life. I want every square inch of my life. My family, my thoughts, my money, my business, every square inch, Lord, it's yours. And when that happens and the kingdom of God becomes real in your life, you will never be the same. 147 times he talked about it. I challenge you, get into the New Testament, get into the, the Gospels. And see what this kingdom is all about. Where he reigns and he rules. I appreciate so much the opportunity to share with you. May you come out with your hands up. We have one last illustration that we use in Honduras. You're driving down the road. And you look down the road and you see a guy. And you go, I know that guy. And, and the closer you get, I know him, and you pull up to him, and you look at him, and there stands Jesus. And you look at him, and you roll down the window and say, would you like a ride? And he said, no, I want to drive. And you get out of the driver's seat, and you get in the passenger seat, and Jesus goes down the road, and he turns around, and he goes the other way. See, Jesus doesn't want to be a passenger in your car, folks. Jesus wants to drive. Who's running your life today? If it's you, you're in, you're in deep problems. <laughs> if it's him, the joy of the kingdom is yours. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that you revealed a kingdom that will never be shaken.
a kingdom that's eternal in the heavens, a kingdom that starts right now where we experience not a fatal and futile life, but the undying life of God in us. Father, help us to see that kingdom advancing forcefully and to take hold of that kingdom and let you be the master of our lives. Father, we surrender today. We want you to drive. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand again. This is 488, just as 